1: my first memory of tulips, I remember the colour most of all. They were planted in blocks and swathes, immersing you in technicolour happiness.
2: I love tulips. I love them to bits. They're tall and graceful, things like Darwin's and lily-flowered tulips and parrot-flowered tulips have got the most extraordinary blooms. And I love the tiny species that can be as little as six inches, that's uh, 15 centimetres tall. It's a real pleasure today to talk about tulips.
3: Combinations of oranges, purples, reds and yellows are emblazoned in my mind.
4: They would trade for enormously high prices, the equivalent of ten times a skilled labourer's wages or the equivalent of a house, even buying a house for a single bulb.
2: I'm Guy Barter. Right now is the perfect time to get those bulbs in the ground. So in this week's show, we'll hear about a collection of rare varieties in the UK how some tulips got to the value of a mansion and the colour combinations you can't be without. So let's get gardening with the RHS.
4: When the red and yellow tulips started popping up, that meant Easter was around the corner and we were going down to a small town called Barnesville in the state of Georgia to my family's farm for the annual Easter egg hunt. And indeed, there were some times we got rained out by the storms and the celebration was taken indoors in my Aunt Lois's tiny little country house and it was perfection.
2: Writer and historian, Abra Lee, talking about her favorite memory of tulips there. Her words show us we can take inspiration from anywhere, including from those close by.
3: My neighbour has a really good display and I'm slightly jealous and I'm going to plant more this year so that I'm almost as good as hers. But yeah, I think tulips in the spring, wherever you see them, they do bring you joy.
2: Garden designer Humera Ikram is a lover of all things tulips. She's joining us from her working shed just to be sure she's no further than a metre from some bulbs.
3: Yeah, I have a big box behind me, which is making me feel guilty at the moment because I'm on the phone to you. Um, but I have got lots of high colour tulips, things in pinks and reds. I've got African King in their Dream Touch. So I've got lots of different types and I'm hoping that I will have a display which will rival Hampton Court Palace.
2: <laughs> She's the perfect person to share some advice on the best colour combinations to bring you some springtime joy.
3: For me, color is really important. And personally, I do like deep, dark colors, um, especially that time of year. At the moment, I'm looking at kind of oranges, deep purples mixed together. And a couple of my favorite tulips at the moment are Ballerina, which is a really lovely deep orange, Queen of the Night or Havran, which are really dark tulips to kind of bounce off of those. And then Princess Irene, or there's this one called Brownie doesn't sound particularly nice, but it does look like an orangey-brown color, but it looks beautiful at that time of year, I think. I've got vintage colors too. <laughs> and then you can choose which one you're gonna go with. So those are sort of dusky pinks and whites with greens and yellows. So something a little bit softer, Okay, I can hear a leaf blur behind me. But um, as you can see, people are always gardening <laughs> and always keeping themselves busy. So the colours I love, I use some tulips called Florosa, which is pink and green, which has kind of like little flecks through that. Evergreen, which is a green and white, which again is white, which has green flecks through it. Apricot Beauty, which is what it says, peachy apricot. And then Angelique, which is one of my favourites, which is like a pale pink like a ballerina's kind of tutu. It's just gorgeous. So all of those put together. So you can either go very strong colors or you can go for sort of vintagey kind of pinks and, and lilacs and whites and greens. Whatever makes you happy is what I say to do in gardening. So how do you display your tulips? So you can put them into your beds and borders and you can have them blocks. So you can have big blocks or drifts of color. So you can have drifts of pink with a little pool of green or something along those lines. You can mix them up if that makes you really happy and go for full color and craziness or i think what's really lovely is also to put them in pots especially by doors and entrances or places that you can see i have a little office in my garden and I, I like to have a pot just outside so i can look at them all day and that also brings the tulips up to your eye height or a little bit higher up so you can really appreciate their and of everything about them so how do i partner tulips what do i put them with so for me I think a lot about that early part of the year because quite a lot of the plants I use in schemes are perennials, which will come up slightly later on, and then grasses and late summer perennials. And then I always have evergreen structures. That first part of the year is usually a bit quieter. So to fill that, I will use lots of spring bulbs. So I start off with Iris reticulata, which is one of my favorite things. And if you can put that up close to you in small pots near your face, they're just fantastic little plants. Um, Chinodoxas and Osillas, Pushkinias, all those early things. And then I kind of move on to things like, you know, you can have some dafts as well, some narcissi. I particularly like white ones and Poeticus ones. And then, you know, you can then have your tulips. And and my, my new favourite thing is Fritillarias. I love fritillaries. And especially if you get to see an imperial fritillary, it is one of the most beautiful things but also looks so exotic but it grows in our gardens in April so I would say fritillaries and also for their slightly the moodiness of fritillaries I would also go for those two all the other ones the persicas there's lots of other ones so have a look at those two So I do often take bouquets from my garden and give them to my friends because I I like to be able to pick something that's personal. And at that time of year, I will pick whatever is in my garden. So it will be some kind of deeply saturated color. Abu Hassan tulips are one of my favorites. They're deep red with yellow sort of edges. And I would put those with some kind of euphorbia possibly, and maybe some leaves from my cardoons to kind of bulk it up. So you'd get sort of a glaucus color with some color on the tulips with some other bits and pieces. And I think that at that time of year, you don't need much color. You just want to see something fresh and green with a little touch of something. So that would probably be what I'd give to a friend. What do I like about tulips? I think it's the promise of something better because usually it's after the dark days of winter. Especially this year, I thought that January was the longest month I've ever lived through. So when you get into February, you start seeing some signs of life. And then March, April, May is when the tulips come up and it really gives you that sense of joy, the sense of spring coming, the sense of something better, and the days are getting longer and less dark. Those are the things that make me happy.
2: Humera ikram. If Humera has inspired you to get planting, there are just a few things to keep in mind. Slap the bulbs in as fast as you can now. Try and get the job done before mid December because the tulips need a period of cold to trigger flowering. If you plant them in the new year, and we all get a bit behind sometimes, they might not get enough cold to give of their best. Plant them halfway down a pot if you're growing them in pots. If you're planting them in the ground, plant them three times the height of the bulb. They don't need any fertilizer and they don't need any fuss because what a tulip bulb is, like all bulbs, is a compressed plant. In that little bulb, there's a flower spike, there are leaves and there are root initials. And it's all ready to go. You just have to pop it in the ground and wait. You get best results by growing tulips in a sunny spot, particularly the species that might go on year after year. And come spring weather, the pots can dry out. That mustn't happen. Keep them moist but never soggy. Now we're going to head a bit further afield. We
5: parked these 4x4 four larders by four the side of the road and we just hiked up a pretty rocky mountain. And, you know, there it was, you know, these little red tulips, they were nestled in a kind of very dry, barren environment.
2: Sam Brockenham is a curator at Cambridge University Botanical Garden and is describing time he spent in Central Asia working to find and conserve rare wild tulips.
5: Sometimes, you know, you can see them from a long distance away. Sometimes they're really clustered, these big wild tulip fields. But then sometimes some species just don't grow like that. They're kind of nestled and hidden in the rocks and it's a little bit of a hunt. It's like a needle in a haystack, really.
2: He works alongside Head of Horticulture Sally Pettit. Hello, this
5: is Sally
6: Pettit. Yes, I've got lovely, lovely wavy things on this bright sunny day
2: who has a very personal relationship with their collection.
6: Oh, if I were to describe myself as one of these tulips, I think I would go for one that's of unknown origin, so nobody knows quite where it originated from, Tulipa cornuta. And it's, I mean, it's not built at all like me, but it's very, very slender and elegant, which is perhaps something that I aspire to be.
2: I spoke to both of them to understand how they care for these species' tulips.
5: At Cambridge University Botanic Gardens, we have one of the UK's national collections. And that is a designation that is awarded to institutions that have really um, diverse collections of particular things. So we're really proud to have that collection. But at the same time, most tulips naturally occur in Central Asia. And so if you really want to get the biggest collection of wild tulips, that's where you want to head. And so we were hunting for rare and wild tulips in a range of countries in Central Asia, so in Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan. You know, there are about something like 80 to 100 species of tulip out there. And actually, you know, we were looking for species like Tulip agregii or Tulip turkmenistana. And these are really unusual tulips, really big, glossy and colourful flowers, yellows, reds and whites. We were really hunting for those species that... that basically no one else had in their collections that's what took us to Central Asia.
3: We
6: have a great variety of tulip species here in the collection at Cambridge so we've got about 80 separate species and they are so diverse and variable they're quite fascinating just looking at the forms and shapes so some may be only about eight to ten centimetres tall and have wavy fluted glaucous foliage others get up to about 60 centimetres and have very, very vivid, vibrant colours with very strappy, slender, upright leaves. So they vary greatly. And that's one of the fascinating things about the species is that, you know, they don't look at all like the typical plants that would grow in the garden.
5: They're really quite different compared to the average tulips that you'll see in gardens. Because, you know, your average tulip you're seeing that people are growing, It's being played around with a lot by breeders. And so it might be less glossy, they might be less patterned. They might be a little more simple, but, you know, that's really just because they haven't been in cultivation, they haven't been bred, you know, they're, they're the real deal, the wild tulip.
3: We've had
6: our collection of tulip species here in the garden for many, many years, so it's one of the earliest of the national collections that are held across the country. And um, we've been able to maintain it through quite rigorous horticultural techniques and methods. So rather than plant the species out in the garden, we actually grow them in pots where we can keep an eye on them. We can regulate their watering. We can make sure that they get a good, warm, sunny spot, which helps them reproduce and replicate. And then it means that annually, at least we hope annually, we can actually then repot them. So every autumn or sort of late summer, autumn, we'll empty them out of the pots, we'll clean down the bulbs. So we'll strip off all the tunics, which is the outer coating on the bulbs. And then we'll give them all fresh compost, which is nothing particularly nutrient rich. It's a very well drained compost, lots of grit, and just means that they don't get overfed. You know, they come from areas of the world where they thrive in very very poor conditions and poor soil so that's what we want to replicate in the garden so that's done on an annual basis. I think there are a number of species that people can relatively easily accommodate in their gardens and that will do quite well providing you give them a good sunny spot and well-drained soils. Something like tulipa turkistanica is a very very delicate species with yellow and white flowers and quite striking in that colouring. Something like linifolia is one of the smaller species that will reach only about 10 centimetres, but has intensely bright scarlet flowers, and they will open in the sun. So the more sun they get, the more star-like they look because they just, you know, the, the petals reflect. Tulip cornuta, which is quite unusual in its form and shape and elegance. And tulip of bakerite is quite a rich pink species that occurs from the mediterranean and that will do very very well and will naturalize quite happily in a a good sunny site in the garden so there are a range of species that you can get hold of if you're wanting to grow something slightly more unusual in the um, tulip line
5: one of the things you wanted to do was try and bring some of these wild tulips back into cultivation so that They add to our collections, but also it's a sort of insurance policy, because a lot of these species we were looking for are quite endangered. They're under threat because of climate change, because of grazing strategies. So often what we found is that the tulips are growing in areas that are also heavily grazed. So they're sort of occupying landscapes that are under-intensive agriculture in various kinds of ways. So that's one threat. They're mostly mountain species, so as the climate warms, What they do is actually migrate up the mountains because they're trying to stay in that kind of coldish zone. But then of course eventually they're going to run out of space. So those are probably the two biggest threats to the tulips.
6: We're actually working quite closely with people in those native habitats to really get a better picture of the state of the species in the wild so whether there are threats to them from development or grazing etc cetera, etc cetera, to, to really begin to understand if there are conservation threats to habitat as well so it's a very very key collection for us
2: thanks Sally and Sam most garden tulips are quite tall and they tend not to last very long. Often you only get one season's flowering out of them. But species tulips, many of which have been somewhat bred, they're not the actual species collected from the wild, they have a completely different story. My first job at Wisley was to grow a trial of them and we planted them in the usual way uh, in the trials field at Wisley and they went on for four years, getting better and better. They're persistent, the flowers are delicate If it's a windy spot, the low-growing species tulips don't get shaken to bits, and they're no more expensive than garden tulips. I can't recommend them enough.
1: When I was little, my parents and I lived in Germany for a few years, and my first memory of tulips is from the Federal Horticultural Show of 1979. I remember the colour most of all, the garish reds, yellows and pinks, typical of 1970s tulips. They were planted in blocks and swathes, immersing you in technical happiness. I wasn't much taller than the flower heads myself. Nowadays, my taste in tulips has mellowed. I much prefer the muted but dramatic tones of some modern cultivars, such as Black Hero. Double flowered with large peony-like blooms, its petals are a glossy mahogany black. If you like the colour, but prefer a classic tulip flower, try
2: Queen of the Night instead. That was RHS Garden Bridgewater's Sylvia Travers on her earliest encounter with a tulip. And while Germany in the 1970s was a hotbed for them, you have to go much further back in time to reach the true peak of their popularity. Tulip mania swept the Netherlands in the 17th century. Bulb prices were astronomical and people were becoming obsessed, as our history expert Fiona Davison explains.
4: It lasted only four years but what occurred was tulips were still quite a rare plant then but they were also a plant which um, is subject to a virus and that causes slashes of colour, stripes of colour in a tulip and at the time nobody knew about that, nobody knew the cause but they just realised that randomly a tulip that you thought was a single colour could generate these really attractive flowers and they became a status symbol and they were represented in paintings and artwork But because they could fetch really high prices, people began buying and selling bulbs before they'd even been grown, and a big kind of futures market developed, and they would trade for enormously high prices, the equivalent of 10 times a skilled labourer's wages, or the equivalent of a house, even buying a house for a single bulb. Inevitably, the market crashed. People lost faith that anybody else would pay so much, and people rushed to sell their bulbs and fortunes were lost. And it's often cited as the first example of a financial bubble and speculation. So it's a very famous example of plants having a a value above and beyond what we'd normally expect. Tulips are a, a plant that have kind of had big changes in status. So from being this luxury plant and very rare and expensive, they went out of fashion, actually, in Britain in the 18th century. They didn't really fit with the kind of English landscape, you know, rolling green gardens that were were fashionable. And they ended up being seen as quite a working class plant, actually. They were known as a florist's flower, which meant that they were a flower which were grown competitively by largely working class gardeners who would try to grow really beautiful standardised tulips to a set standard, set pattern and they would compete with each other and as a result of that association the kind of elite gardening world for a very long time looked down on tulips actually. They came over from, originally from Central Asia and the Ottoman Empire via merchants and one of the key people who bought them to the notice of gardeners in western europe was a botanist called carolus clausius and he uh, was based in leiden and he had colleagues and friends in england and individual bulbs got sent over and another key way that tulips came over to this country was because they're small and for a time they were quite valuable they were an easy way of transporting your wealth so in the 17th century when refugees were fleeing religious persecution in France, French Huguenot refugees bought tulips with them as a kind of store of value when they fled and, and arrived in this country and, and that was a, a big way of popularising tulips in England. A love of tulips is very apparent in traditional Turkish art. You can see see everything from tiles to royal armour. And again, in the Ottoman Empire, they became very expensive plants. And, in fact, the Sultan Selim II ordered prices to be fixed because he was getting cross that it was getting so expensive for him to develop his tulip collection. And anyone caught overcharging for a tulip could be beheaded and, quite handily, the Sultan's head gardener was also his chief executioner. So that was kind of an easy way of keeping a lid on his garden-buying prices.
2: Thanks, Fiona. The broken tulips that were so popular in the 17th century are still being grown in one place, the Wakefield and North of England Tulip Society. This society is extremely knowledgeable and they're bringing a collection of their wonderful, variegated, multicoloured blooms to our tulip show at RHS Garden Harlow Carr on the 30th of April to the 1st of May next year. Well, that takes us to the end of this week's show. Before I go today, I just wanted to leave you with a job to be thinking about this week. When I worked on the trials team at Wisley, we spent November bringing in all our equipment, stakes, supports, canes, wire, posts. We brought them in, cleaned them up, ordered replacements, ready to go in the spring. After that, we got stuck in on maintaining the furniture. So it's nice to get ahead of these things before we get thinking about the spring work. For more on anything we've discussed today, you can visit rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast or check out our show notes. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, Guy Barter. I'll leave you with our gardening advisors, Nikki Barker and Jenny Bowden.
3: My first memories of tulips are of my grandmother taking me to a big park in the town where she lived because they didn't really have a garden and every spring it must have been April May time she used to take me up to walk around all the formal bedding all the tulips that had been planted they were such bright colors and they seemed to me to be about the same height as I was but I used to love them the way they were all in rows with all matching colour schemes and I used to be made to get dressed up for the occasion so it always seemed like a very exciting thing to do. My strongest tulip memory is spending a weekend at Great Dixter, Christopher Lloyd's house and garden. This is when I was a student at Wisley in the 90s. It had become a tradition for the students to work in the garden and in return we stayed in the house and had wonderful evening meals in the Great Hall and afterwards chatted with Christopher head gardener Fergus and the other gardeners in front of the huge open fire. We slept on the floor of the medieval book-lined drawing room with the sounds of the fire dying down and the glow was as vivid as the tulips outside.